what is it with me and my bizarre RPG game choices? Why can't I just be like everyone else and play the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons or perhaps Chaosium's Call of Cthulhu? Well, I've found another one and I'm here to talk about it. another Gaming from the First Age podcast. I hope you're okay. Apart from uh, the itching remains of a heat rash brought on by the recent high temperatures, I'm pretty good. I was born up in Caithness at the top of Scotland, which means really I'm made for mist, mizzle, rain, sleet, single-digit temperatures at best, and longing Now, before we dive into today's episode, I have a call in responding to my question about disappearing character sheets after a convention game clear up. Why, I asked, do people take them? Sometimes players ask if they can keep their character sheet. and I always say, yes, of course. But in the last episode, I asked, why? Well, Che Webster from the Roleplay Rescue podcast has some thoughts on what is going on. Hey Graham, it's Jay, just calling about your most recent episode. Thank you very much for that. I just wanted to say something about convention games and character sheets. Um, two reasons I have on occasion, or actually generally, asked for my character sheets. I care if I take my character sheet home after a game. There's two reasons. One is I've made a connection with that character through play, and if I've really enjoyed my game and I've got into it, you know, I feel like leaving the character sheet behind is a little bit, I don't know, churlish. It disconnects me from the experience, and it's part of the memory. And I, I kind of just want to take it away with me. Even if it, yeah, probably get home and it goes in a bin eventually. Um, but it's a nice connection. And the second thing is that um, I think it's a way of showing appreciation to the GM. A way of saying, communicating, you know, I had a good time. Do you mind if I take a little bit of that good time home with me? Anyway, just some thoughts. Hope you're well, man. Thanks for your podcast. Game on. Well, thank you, Jay, for the call-in. And thank you for those positive thoughts. I think I will have an extra spring in my step when responding next time someone asks, can I keep my character sheet? And possibly a bit more of a glow when I just simply find one missing. Thanks a lot. So then, my gaming choices are, I don't think, that bizarre. My RPGs of choice are as, well, flatly and predictably trad as anything out there, but maybe slightly alternative. Sometimes at the complex end, and I do wonder if that is part of it. For me personally, the passion for certain, well, let's call them alternative RPGs, means a number of things. I seem to have a too late interest in the forgotten. I mean, is it ever too late? You know, those left behind games tearful, 
and lost in the wide stampede trail to the next new shiny or the new version of the old sheen. I'm unperturbed by overly crunchy oldsters or even memed out games lost to and maybe subverted by history. Games where you go to the internet for discussion to find them live in the mid-2000s with Yahoo posts or a ragged selection of YouTubes that people don't look at anymore or just playing good old 404 and forbidden. As is widely known across the community, he said, rather than leap to 5e, D&D, I went to 4e and also True 20. My close brush with the Behemoth took me to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which has a rich and large community, and 13th Age, which the hipster commentators profess to be the best D&D. My aim is, therefore, not that wide of the mark, at least in terms of popularity. Instead of settling into the humongous box set of Mongoose Traveller 2nd Edition, I've gone Cepheus Deluxe as my traveller of choice. Now, there's certainly nothing much wrong with the ones that I have deviated from. And in terms of play, I'm in a lengthy 5e Strahd game right now. And I eye Mongoose Traveller as a possible future game. But my internal gaming monologue, my game budget, what I want to run, what excites me, is elsewhere deviated, deviant. I mean, true 20, I ask you. And now, just to perpetuate, out of the blue, cruelly provoked by a gaming tavern forum post, I've got my Trudvang Chronicles books off the shelf, having gathered dust since the Kickstarters many years ago. Those books have sat and glowered at me from my shelves, Occasionally, whilst innocently watching TV, they have taunted themselves into my eyeline, and then, well, they've had a bit of a go at me. Now, this cacophony has all worked to a particular direction, and my long-past desultory skim of the books to assuage the guilt of purchase was never going to be enough. No. I had to get to know the game. And I think perhaps more importantly, it always seems to mean that I have to actually run the game. A deep read is meaningless. It won't be enough for them. The books, I mean. Games are alive if they are played. While I now have the time for such diversions, I might argue, you might argue, I'm not arguing, But even so, it is a proper investment in time. Getting a game to the table, especially a big one, takes a level above a considered read. Of course, just reading games is okay. You know, in case I get letters. But you know what? I have discovered a bit of a gem. Trudvan Chronicles is a, a Norse fantasy that draws on Celtic and other further away sources to produce a rich early medieval setting forged from the collision of different cultures over the heroic ages 
full of mistful valleys, dark forests, formidable mountains, great heroes, and terrifying monsters. The artwork draws you in, much as I have found with Simbaroom and Shadows of Esteren. It transports you to another place, raw with other ways of living, but attainable through the connection of shared human needs. It's a place where I want to adventure and bring others on the journey. All good. But is it? Trudvang Chronicles is a Swedish role-playing game that has already had a pretty long history in the native language as Dracha och Dimona, Trudvang. What we have is about, about the 8th edition and now translated into English. Whilst the setting has approachable depths, set such that they do not overwhelm a wild dive, providing just the right level of detail, I have also encountered the game system that drives the action. It's a D20 roll under skill system with plenty of skills on the tiny writing uh, character sheet. So the game immediately ticks some vaguely BRP boxes. Skills are split into areas which then have a tree of disciplines that then also branch out into specialties, each more uh, fine-grained and specific as you work up the tree. The areas, the skill areas, they go up to 10. The disciplines up to a further five, and the specialties also go up a further five, but each of the specialty levels add two to the overall skill value. So far, okay. So what you would say have is if you had a skill in faith at 10, but then a discipline within that uh, skill area of let's say three, then that would give you a 13 or less on a D20, if it's that in that particular discipline area, if it's just a general skill test, it would be only 10. And then if you've got a specialty, let's say one level within that discipline, that would give you another two, taking you up to 15. So far, okay, a little bit of complexity perhaps in the character generation process, but on the sheet, you can pretty quickly see what your chance is out of 20 to succeed, allowing for any modifiers that might might come into play. The game, allowing for those specialties, has a much higher number of skills than the current trend for, let's say, lesser numbers of skills that are somewhat broader, or indeed games that have no skills at all. But okay, I'm good with that myself. I'm okay with a slightly larger number of skills. That's fine. And yet, I was still wary knowledgeable gaming friends and brusquely searched websites had spoken of the overly complex nature of the game and people had been put off having bounced off the game itself. No straightforward BRP then. On exploring the rules a little further, I remembered what my skim had warned me of all those years ago. (music) 
Trudvang Chronicles combat system is quite tactical, which in itself is fine. I'm, I'm also a, a skirmish gamer, at least in my past, and I've been on a fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons kick for quite a long while now. Characters have a combat capacity that is made up of their skill, disciplines and specialties. And these provide a number of points that can be spent each round, enabling you to choose between movement, attack, defense, and possibly some other more minor actions, and where you want to put your character's resources. Each round, your capacity returns to be spent again. Now, this currency drives the character choices and the developing position around the character affects where you need to emphasize those points. Points translate one for one, pretty much, to a chance equal to or less than on a d20 roll. Seems complex enough until you realize that some of these points are free and can be spent flexibly across any of your three main types of action, attack, defend, and move, whereas others are locked, and they're locked in to be spent on specific things, possibly movement, weapon attacks and parries, or maybe something like shield actions. Yeah, at this point I glazed and appreciated the whispered views, and yet I punched through the crunch. The combat capacity provides a really flexible range of choices, all about emphasis. You're advised to preset combos of points to act as a default in case you want to just push the buttons that most systems give you. You may choose to finesse the combos a little to move the points around and decide the hit you're going to take by moving your character around the battlefield or risk holding back to have a parry ready just in case. Incidentally, you only need to call out a parry if you know that you've been hit. Does my character go for two blows or focus and get a good solid hit in? All this, all this variety of emphasis is true for both PCs and NPCs. So how you manage the cognitive load as a GM will be interesting. Not only this, but initiative is actually rolled every turn, shifting the order around and the equipment you use or don't use also modifies this, even dynamically during your turn. Crikey. Now, I haven't yet got the game to the table. This if you like, is a preamble for just that. I'm running a session of it at Continuum very soon in early August and a couple of games of it at Furnace in October. I'm excited. I'm also perhaps a little scared. And, and by scared, I mean more than just the usual imposter syndrome sinking in. Sinking in. I was going to say kicking in. Sinking in is probably about right, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. Graham, you crap. Why are you running games at all? No, it's beyond even that predictable uh, affliction. It's the wonder. Will Trudvan Chronicles melt my brain during a combat encounter? Will the cognitive sludge lava leak messily out of my ears and down my nose? I don't know, but we'll certainly see. 
and then perhaps my players will see and have to take fear damage. If my next podcast is a little on the runny side, well, you'll know why. Creating characters is a great way to learn any game. Spreading the archetypes around takes you to pretty much all the corners of the player-facing rules, which for most games is most of the mechanical side of the game. I now have six player characters ready to go, crafted despite the vagaries of some of the text descriptions. The books have had a reprint, which has helped a little with the definitions, but I must say, when the online character generator calls a number of skills something completely different to the core rulebook, it really is rather off-putting. Lost, perhaps, in translation? But the Trudvang Troll Warren has some more twists and turns up its Scandinavian pronunciation guide. My gaming, perhaps like your own, is still centred online, where groups have been forged across many realms or await with the sizeable potential that only time zones seek to confound. Play through our screens is where I start these days. I haven't returned to face-to-face outside of the convention format, though that still may happen. Patriot Games, our friendly local game store, has whole evenings dedicated to RPGs, so I really should give that a try. But online remains where it is at. I've been thinking about how to get Trudvan Chronicles to the table, and realistically, if it is to be a slightly longer form game to the virtual table. Now, I was disappointed that Foundry didn't have a pre-built Trudvang sheet, so I reflexively went off to Playroll Virtual Tabletop to create a simple character tracker sheet. For actual play, that's still an option for me to do that. And my mate Tom pointed out that Roll20 does have a sheet, but that would require me to actually GM on that platform. And well, you know, it's been established now, isn't it? I'm a deviant. I don't run games on the default go-to virtual tabletop platform. Of course I don't. It's me. Roll20 is okay, of course. Not that you need any reassuring from me. And it's improving all the time. I'm happy to play games on it. And indeed, the 5th edition Curse of Strahd game is on it. But why use it when I'm paying for Foundry hosting? And that virtual tabletop, at least to me, just feels so much better. So, what to do? Well, a bit of YouTubery and some other shenanigans took me to one of the point-and-click form builder systems on Foundry, the Custom System Builder. It gives you the tools to build a sheet from selectable components, including tabbed panels and access to HTML formatting and CSS style sheets, if you are so minded. In essence, it gives you a framework to create a character sheet with formulas that execute dice rolls in the chat and initiative in the combat tracker. In fact, it does a lot more with macros, but I really didn't want to get ahead of myself. I'm not that technical. Although not especially pretty, I have managed to get a working tracking sheet for Trudvan Chronicles up and running in Foundry Virtual Tabletop. There's still some light formula scripting to do, but on persevering, I have managed it. 
The tracking sheet only has the minimum that you need to monitor key resources and execute dice rolls to share with the group. Still, it puts me in the frame for using a game system that isn't supported in Foundry and takes me, well, just a little bit closer to the simplicity of the Playroll virtual tabletop sheet creation for non-coders. Could be a bit of a game changer as the full range of the Foundry Dice API is supported through using the custom system builder rather than the curtailed functionality available on Playroll. The second element I'm using on Foundry is PDF Foundry module, which allows full PDF viewing natively in Foundry. With a form-fillable PDF character sheet, this can actually be used as the actors, the player characters character sheet in the system. Now I haven't tried that as the Trudvang sheet isn't actually form fillable. I, I could make it so, but instead I have built this tracking sheet using the custom system builder. Even so, it is nice to be able to have the PDF natively launched in Foundry itself. So again, with some dedicated time, I've made progress to the point that I can get Trudvang playing in Foundry VTT. No, I'm unlikely to forge on and build a whole functioning character sheet in the virtual tabletop. My efforts were to get me to a playable start point. At its simplest, this could have probably been achieved with a range of dice macros on the macro bar. But with a small tracking sheet, you have everything you need for online play linked to tokens on the display and into the combat tracker you can leverage a lot of the VTT's strengths straight away. There are other things that I'd like to be able to do, including have damage applied to targeted tokens automatically. That'll be possible, but I'll live with where I've got to, at least for now, and expect the players to simply have their full character sheet somewhere else. Who knows? Even on paper, maybe with a pencil to hand. So excuses to get the game running are now dwindling, Focus really should now switch to preparing for some actual play. Into the great forest of Wildheart, I expect. There to find wonder, mysteries and terrors. In the final irony, perfect for my laggard deviancy, is that the publisher of Trudvan Chronicles, Riot Minds, have just sold the IP for their RPGs, including Trudvan, to CMON, CMON as I call them. There's a sale now on of the books of, on the Right Minds site and PDFs can also be picked up on drive-thru at a knockdown price. I'm not telling you to go and buy them, but just buy the buy. They're pretty cheap right now. For an overinflated moment, I wondered if Riot Minds knew I was about to get into the game, so hastily decided to offload it. I come with a reputation. But no, seriously, this is all part of what happens in the industry. Though the near timing of their departure did make me smile. I flourish in the chaos when games fall to the wayside or fall in between. It's a sign I have chosen well. Now, I'd also like to get Cepheus Deluxe to the table and thereby takes me to our round out topic. Again, I think with a little bit more time on my hands, 
I've managed to publish a small adventure on DriveThruRPG. Always be prepared. It's a Cepheus Deluxe adventure. Now I'll perhaps talk about the process of getting this PDF and softback book on there at another time. It was fun to create something and will lead on to possibly another subsector book and maybe more from there. Also due out soon is Tripod Essence. It's just coming out of layout by Dom. Tripod is my sort of narrative D6 dice pool engine, previously known as Wordplay. Tripod, slightly geeky name or gawky name, awkward name maybe even, traits in pools of dice, Tripod. I'm looking forward to that coming out and I'm running a couple of Tripod games at Continuum as it happens, so that I'm looking forward to that as well. Another bit of excitement that's coming, and I'll mention it now just in case um, it it already happens uh, before my next podcast, is in August, we have Mark Galliotti's Gran Meccanismo, clock punk role-playing in Da Vinci's Florence, published by Osprey Role-Playing. This is also powered by the tripod system, which for me is blooming exciting. Anyway, I think more on all that, perhaps maybe next time. And time is, I think, very much up for me for this time round. So, to deviants and conformers, all welcome to this hobby. And happy gaming.